So that is the hundred we are concerned about. Now, sadly, we as Christians are more interested in the tribulation than we are these last days that we are living in. And God says we're supposed to be concerned about now what we're living in is understanding the, the seasons and transitions that are going to be happening and the world is going to get worse. So you say, why do we talk about negative things? Why does God talk about negative things? It's because we need to be prepared. We need to have another thing. Well, how do we as Christians act and react in a world that is getting worse and worse? And it is. I highlighted several events last Sunday morning of what just took place as far as the shootings in Pittsburgh. And the list goes on to all of these catastrophic things that are happening. Well, how do we as Christians handle that? Should we live in fear? Should we live in, in, in this trepidation? Or should we be going forward with saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because no matter what happens, and I want to reach people with Jesus because that's eternal. Everything that's happening around us now is temporary. It's going to change. So that's what we have to be thinking about eternity and what God is pleased with and what God wants us to be doing in the day and age that we live in. So God should have highlighted things in 1 Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 3, and we're going to see a lot of other verses today to show you over and over again God is trying to teach you something. Now, last week we have suddenly highlighted this. This no also. So, first, I think that agree, that's how it starts out. This no also. Sadly, many of us Christians don't understand that what last days even are. He also says that same phrase when it comes to rapture. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. So God wants us to know these things. So that's my job. Is that sure you're informed about the day and age that we live in, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to react. And so we are to we are to love we, we are just putting in, we know it's, but really, we are. You say, well, why disagree with their lifestyle? I just hate love their lifestyle. You love them. And you try to win them. And you try to help them to understand that. The, the, one of the biggest questions I have um, given to me, with, especially within family, is this. Well, I just found out my, my relative. Um, they, they, they are, they're getting, they're leaving the same sex married and they're getting married or this, this child is going off the deep end and they're not going to church anymore and they knew it and they're not around it anymore and you've got this whole list of, of kids that have gone astray. What do I do? Well, many times we, we know we're sharing the truth with them about the gospel because without the knowledge of the gospel, we can't say understand the truth, they're going to say that is truth, or no, it's not going to go their way. But they have to know the truth. They speak the truth in love. And then you say, well, I'm just going to preach that and keep preaching that. That's all that. It's not a word. Trust me, I've been there. You say, well, if I just bring it at a different angle, or I do, and quit harping out. Okay? What you know they need now? They need to see it. They need to be you living out the Christian life. You are a Christian. Seeing the red of all men. They're waiting to see Jesus in you. So you say, well, I'm just going to the plate. I just hate life. Try to learn to be you that way. Or you can start having the joy of the Lord. Start living for the Lord. 
leading to prayer, looking for Him. And that is toxic. And so the second thing you do is live it, and then the second thing you do is you pray for them. So that it's God's work to transform the life, not yours. You can save the soul. I'll just save the soul. I'll pray. People say, will you pray for someone who gets saved? I absolutely will. And I think that's a biblical thing. Romans chapter 10 tells us to do that. My heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. So we should be praying for souls to be saved. Absolutely. But with it, you pray for them, you give them the truth. And that's what we need to do with the world that we live in. They need to hear the truth, but we need to start living it out in front of them or our credibility is absolutely shot. And they are going to go darker and darker and darker with their mindset. Matter of fact, it talks about their conscience even in tears. Well, how are we going to win that? We have to start, all oh, that song, what can break the heart of what can, what can transform a life and special into that hour? You say, oh, are you, when you study the last days, do you get depressed? Well, I get excited. I do. You say, why? Because, A, God's word is right. God says it's happening, and it's happening. And the second thing is, that means we're one day closer to Jesus, so back in the air. Yeah. And, and the third thing is, we, that as Christians, become stronger in our witness and our testimony. Because we, we are called to be light, we're called to be salt, so the, the darker the world gets, we become tender and more brilliant to this world that we're living in. And we become attractive to God. You know when you're outside and you have that campfire at night, and your eyes are on that flame, it's the most beautiful that I just sit there for an hour and just watch it and just meditate and say, is there something about light that is attractive? And God says, you're light. God wants to do that, right? Let's look at the scripture for a little bit. We have 1 Timothy, chapter number 4. We're going to start in verse number 1. I want you to find that we're just going to stand out of the strength of God's word today. 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaks expressing that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. To the need to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, the hmm. men to abstain from meat, hmm. which God has created to receive the thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. This is why we're talking about this verse 6. If thou, that's Timothy, if Timothy the pastor puts the brethren and remembers of these things, that shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and a good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Father, bless the time. Use your word. And I say you will be glorified in everything that says and done. That there are those that are speaking you, speaking the truth. God, that we're going to be able to show your word that it is absolute truth. Showing what is happening in the day and age that we live in gives an incredible uh, credibility to your word and what you have said. So we'll hear your job this day, and we'll thank you for Jesus' sake. Amen. And you may be seated.
The first phrase there is vitally important. Now the Spirit speaking, and that's the Holy Spirit of God. So this is not man's opinion of what is going to happen. God is saying, I'm putting truth on the line here. I'm putting, I'm putting out that what I am saying is going to take place. It all reflects on the, the on the Word of God and the Spirit of God that is now giving this understanding of future. And so therefore, we don't see this as something that Paul thinks or what Timothy thinks. This is what God inspired uh, Paul to write down. This letter was given to Timothy, the young pastor, to help him to understand what is it going to be like. Well, why do we need to teach this to the pastor about this? The pastor to pass it on to the people. So we can have the Word of God also. So this is something that's why he says, if I'm going to be a good preacher, I need to be teaching one of these things. Uh, so much of the scripture has to do with prophecy, last days, running rain, uh, eternity. There are so many things that point to this, and we cannot tiptoe around these portions of scripture. We need to enter them. We need to understand them so that we understand ourselves, the world, the time we're in, so that we have answers to be able to get a hope to somebody who says, well, what do you believe? Why, why, do you, why do you think this way? Well, we need to have answers. And that's why we dig right into the scriptures. And text, you do understand this, he's not saying this is the lost, the, the same people, but rather the lost people. The lost people around us will be going deeper and deeper into these doctrines and this mindset. And it will be getting worse. And we're going to see second thing on the a little bit. Uh, and how God is trying to show there also that there will be a great falling away the further and further we get into this. So we're dealing with the lost world. The second thing you need to understand is that not just the people that you work with out in the streets, etc. He is also teaching about churches and leaders and those that are uh, proponents of these philosophies. They are going to get stronger and more persuasive through their lies, their deceit, and they're going to be stronger. And it seems like the truth is going to be, well, not believed. The absolute scriptures won't even be a consideration. They are going to persuade the people to go into literally and deal with the demonic teachings. Things that are literally opposing God's truth. And as we're going to see, is the spirit of, uh, of lies. So, this is the spirit of God that is giving this. Verse number one, he talks about this in the latter times. We defined that already. It started in Acts 2 and is continuing on up through. So we've seen it. And, but he's talking to the church and said, I need you to understand the, the last times that you are living in, what you should expect to see. The first thing he says here is that some shall depart from the faith. Some shall depart from the faith. In other words, they are going to give attention to something else. They're going to take what they've learned, and they know the truth. And they're going to say, I'm going to put that aside, I'm going to depart from that, and I'm going to hold on to and cleave onto something else 
testifies what I believe. So we, the, the Greek word uh, and the word that would go along with it would be apostasy. The word apostasy means is falling away. Now, I want to say by this while we're at it. The falling away or apostasy did not happen by true believers. Believers are not going to apostatize and depart from the truth. Religious lost people are. They know it. They're around it. And they eventually go the opposite direction. So a Christian cannot go that direction. Uh, you say, well, they can do something wrong. Fast slide is another term that, that we've used for years. Well, that's not apostasy. I mean, we're dealing with a doctrine here. We're not talking about they went out and did something sinful. This is literally a changing of a mind about who Jesus Christ is, about the Word of God, and they begin to teach and promote and follow harsh, wrong teachings that would oppose Jesus Christ sexually. And that's the key. You say, well, why is that the key? Because the inside the one who receives the opposite is going to take the place of the true Messiah. So they're going to go from the true Messiah to the teachings of the false Messiah. And we're going to see that way being paid the longer we go as, as the church age. So philosophy is by lost people that know the truth, put away the truth, and believe the lie. And that's why he uses the phrase of producing spirits impostors that are misleading the, the lost people because they haven't fully believed in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So, they are going to be believing these teachings that are inspired by the devil. You say, well, what's the duty teaching? Well, what's, what's the person he taught you? And God really said this. So, he's going to begin to put doubt on the Word of God, questioning its authority, its truth, repercussions, that's what God meant, and the doubt begins. And sadly, many have doubted rather than believed the Word, and sadly, this is what's happening in colleges. Okay? These colleges are teaching guys that are going to be in the pulpit. Don't even take the Word of God literally. Talk about fluff. Talk about good stories. Don't, don't get into the Word of God because that's not what's going to grow a church. By the way, we're not here to grow truth. We're here to grow lives. You follow me? See, you're what's important to God. And I, my job is to make sure you are indoctrinated with absolute truth. You are not questioning what you believe and why you believe it. Love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart, and He's often saved. These the wrong teachings are going to take away from the person of, of Jesus Christ. So there will be this falling away. We're going to go back to our few pages to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Those who have gone through this with me in the past, I know what we're doing here is a very abridged version of the study of the last two. Normally we would go verse by verse through all these and really take our time. Down the road, uh, we will be doing that. 
an opportunity, moral opportunity for you to do this. And I really believe this is what God wants for us in the church. And I really want to make sure that we're taking the time and understanding this. And by doing this, as you're seeing, we're not dealing with one book of scripture. Matter of fact, we haven't even read one verse out of the Revelation. And yet all these verses are talking about eschatology and also the last days that we're living in. So we don't just need the Revelation. We need the Gospels. We need the general pictures. We need Daniel. We need Isaiah. We need Genesis. We need it all. It is throughout the scriptures. It's definitely woven throughout it all because it's God's kingdom for his own force. So we're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Again, I don't have time to build all of this. That's what we're going to see several key points. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. So he's talking to the church. And again, he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unlearned. I don't want somebody to be able to deceive you. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. So that's the apostasy. There's going to be churches, people that you to they are going to go off the deep end with their theologies and ideas, and it's going to get worse and worse. First number, the last part of that verse says, and that man of sin, that's the Antichrist, be revealed. He's called here the son of perdition. And so the son of, the son of doom. Later on in this, it says, uh, we're going to pick up in verse number five. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know that what withholdeth or is restraining, and he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. That's the thought of the Antichrist. Only he who now read it or is holding it back until he be taken out of the way. And then it's verse 8. And then, in other words, once that is taken out of the way, then shall that wicked or the Antichrist be revealed, notice his fate, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the blowness of his coming. That is the end of the tribulation time period. Revelation chapter 19 is when Christ is going to take care of the Antichrist and he's going to light the fire and we'll see no more Antichrist or false prophets as they come here. So, let me tell you the chronology. So, right now we're in the church age. The closer we get to rapture, God is saying, we're going to, we the church age are going to start seeing things getting worse and worse. And what you can sense in this text is that God is going to be allowing this indoctrination, indoctrination that the, the, the Antichrist wants to have when he finally comes onto the scene, it, it's already going to be working. His teachings are going to be here. That doesn't mean the Antichrist is going to be in charge yet. Remember, we see that the Antichrist is coming on the scene and taking charge during the tribulation time period. He is the one that is putting together the peace treaty with Israel and the Confederacy that will start the trip. So that's, that's what we're talking about here. There's going to be teachings that the Antichrist wants to bring. It's, it's almost like John the Baptist with Jesus. Remember how John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus? That he, the, the robe will be flat and straight and nothing prohibiting. He just comes right in. Well, that's the thought of this. We're going to be watching the John the Baptist, the, pre, the forerunner of the Antichrist, 
starting to teach these wrong doctrines to prepare the lost world for, we need to have one world church. We need to have one world government. We need to have a one world currency. Do you see these things starting to come already? That's the preparation. But also what is happening within the church. What his doctrine, what he wants to see, is basically this philosophy. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's the philosophy. It has to do with sensuality. It has to do with there are no moral laws. We just, and by the way, idolatry, there are no moral laws. You do what you want, and then you worship the deity, and you follow that deity, and you're in absolute fear of that deity because you want the blessings or the protection or the provisions that come from that deity, and they make their own gods. And they say, this is our god. And don't tell me about moral laws. So we're in this. That's why you're seeing these mainline denominations. They don't care about the Bible. They don't care about truth because God's word is not relevant to this day and age. All of that was a cultural thing. So it doesn't relate to today's society. That's why you have women preachers. That's why you have gay ministers. Because I know what the Bible says, but that doesn't matter. Because you just, you just said woman pastor, that, that's not in the Bible. No. You say, but they're all over the place. I know they are. You say, I hate you now. Well, God says, if any man desires the office of a bishop, he desires good work. He must be the husband of one wife. God says what a minister is to be. We don't, get, we don't get to make the rules. God made the church. He's the head over all things to the church. Now you say you're in that hate women club. No, 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 no. You've been around me long enough. Maybe you have. And we go through Romans 16. We talk about CD. We talk about equivalent fertility. We talk about the marriage. We talk about all these women through the Old Testament. Esther, these women, God used them incredibly and in incredible ways. It has nothing to do with that. It is that God says, this is the order that I created, and we as a church are to comply to it. I had one lady who come up to me and she was she was uh, nation and she looked at me and she started saying, See, we, we agree the same way and everything and I just started to the scripture. So I did I just you know, because I, I knew she believed. And so she said, Isn't it amazing how complex I need to leave? Because she didn't want to hear what the Bible actually says. They don't want to hear what the Bible says. We want to hear what the Bible says. And then we line up with what the Bible says. Okay. Oh, by the way, you'll see it in the Revelation, the philosophy there that is even starting then, here now, is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And that philosophy has to do with freedom to live religiously without moral laws. That's the summary of the philosophy that they were bringing into the church. That, okay, that we have the freedom to work and we do all this, believe in God and everything along that line. But, but don't talk to me about any right or wrong. 
because there's no moral laws of right and wrong. And some of the churches were starting to allow these teachers to come into the church. And, and God says, I'm going to tell you right now, you go to this direction, I'm going to take your candle, and I'm going to put the candle out. And did. There's seven churches that are talked about in the Revelation. He's going to warn you, and this is the authority of Jesus Christ. He says, if you go this direction, I will take it out. And he did. Those churches that he took out are the seven churches in the Revelation that were in uh, Turkey, as we would know it now. And the witness that is there is no longer Christian. It is Muslim. And sadly, the faith of Jesus Christ is hardly heard in any of that region. And we know a little bit about that. That's why I'm for America. I believe God has left this country because of our, of our principles that we, our forefathers gave for us to live by that are truly biblically based. And so therefore, we have been blessed for hundreds of years. Our stand with Israel, our stand for the word, that we are still looked at because of our, our government, a, a Christian nation. And then everybody here is Christian. Inherited because we're part of this nation. We have to buy faith, believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. But I really believe that we are a blessed nation beyond any nation because of what God has done for us. And thank God again in there. And I know that there are those that disagree with me, and guess what they can do? They can get their own folk and say the same thing. It's great. You have a right to share your faith, even though I told you don't stop me. Right? So we're back with that. So we're going to be, what's, what's happening right now, this whole spirit of the Antichrist is almost like what the church is doing. It's oppressing the Antichrist right now and his work. It's like, as long as we Christians are here, we're messing everything up. And so we're holding back and suppressing everything. When we are taken out of the way, the church is taken out of the way, then the job that's not a prediction be resist. Then it's all going to start happening. Can you imagine for the first time on earth, at that moment, there will not be one Christian in the, in the entire earth? And then it's going to be like, good. Let you out of my way. Now let me start orchestrating this so that I can create this new tree so that we can start this whole thing. That I'm going to go into the third temple of Israel that Israel's going to build. I'm going to go in into the Holy of Holies and I'm going to tell the world I am God. And that's what Satan ultimately wants. This worship. That's what I'll have more of that for me. And that's me. Came that tree. Got one. There's no other way. So that's the that's the thought here. Let's get back to our attention. Let's get really depressed. It's hard. It's hard to see the people listening to this these philosophy and believing that you're it's true. And so he invented this whole idea that 
people are going to misbehave, want to openly, openly be attentive to these type of teachings, and they're going to go into it hook, line, and sinker because it feels the flesh. It makes them feel good. I get ownership. I get to do this. I get to choose. It's in the scriptures, we'll see over and over again the problems even in the early church. For instance, 2 Timothy 2 18, Paul had to come back with philosophy with the resurrection that already happened. And basically, if, if, you know, this has been, but if you didn't, if you're not alive and the rapture happens, you're in heaven. These types of teachings were permeating the church, and so the letters had to be written. And the first person is thinking there's another issue. There is no resurrection. They're coming in and saying, nope, there's no resurrection at all. Don't even think about going to heaven. Nobody's going to heaven. Because there is no resurrection. So Paul, as a credible lawyer, does lay out his whole premise of why the resurrection is biblical and necessary. And, and he gets into the concept of if there's no resurrection, that means Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And if Jesus didn't resurrect from the dead, well, guess what? Our preaching is in vain, your faith is in vain, and we're both a bunch of miserable people because if there's no life after this one, this is so easy for you to be married. Why are we in church? But there's nothing to look forward to. This is all we have, and then we die and go six foot under, and that's it. I'm going home. I'm going home. This is everything we do has no purpose at all. Then, then first thing, maybe five seasons, he gets into the immorality that was happening inside of the church, and there's like, we don't care if incest is going on. We tolerate these things. That's that familiar. We tolerate these things. There's no right and wrong. It's okay if they want to go that direction. And Paul goes, Are you kidding me? What's going on in the church? Are you didn't even raise your head up and you're boasting and glorying in this? Oh, we tolerate these things. No. I don't mean we're perfect. But folks, when it's obvious, open, we can't approve it. We can't do that. So these are the things that were, that were going on. It's interesting. Those who take notes in the book of James, I, I, I'm studying all this stuff. I, I'm like, I wish I had time to get into this. But we go, look at James in chapter 3 on your own sometime, and he talks about one word that has to do with what Satan ultimately is trying to do in God's people, and it's all based on the emotion that we have. And he says, This is not the wisdom that comes from above. This is the wisdom that comes from hell. This is the doctrine that comes from the devil. And you know what they were doing? Envy. It is all about envy. And it says, that's just when you get the chance. And I'm like, envy? You. You. Stay down on your own. And these are the things that we stop and we say, oh, it's okay. So I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going in the wrong path if you're going that direction. And of course, we have this day and age also the worshiping of the wrong thing. We worship men, and we worship angels. So you can see that there's angels in the outfield, angels here, angels there, all through Hollywood, you know, there's angels in every other, you know. And so I thought it was interesting. Then they philosophy. All my little person that passed away, they didn't have to be an angel. 
Um, no, they won't, they won't let that be locked into a covenant and marriage. But it was a covenant between a man and a woman uh, before God. And it's an agreement. And we can just see more and more that we don't want churchy. We don't want it to be religious. We just want it to be legal. And as long as the black people we do as far as American folks are married in, in church, it is based on God. It is based on the covenant. It is based on what we're sharing with each other uh, between the husband and the wife. And so that's going to be uh, going to the side also. And so I think it has to do a lot more. And we're, I think, closer to church is going to see it more and more. And all is this mindset of this respect tendencies of separation and depriving yourself of something so that you can be closer to God so it has to do with idolatry, I really believe. So our text even goes on to approve these. God says, my word approves it and also prayer approves it. Those two things. That's why we pray before we eat. We're actually praying because we, we realize virtually God approving of what we're going to eat and we are able to partake. And God says, I approve of this. I guess sometimes it's hard for us to pray for these babies before we eat down, but nobody has a problem praying for the baby before they eat it. You know what I mean? So it's all approved by God. You go, you, you know, my friend from West Virginia, you can eat those possums. They're approved by God, I guess. Groundhog and everything else you guys eat back there. You can, you can have fun with that one. But, uh, you know, some things I'm going to refrain from because I'm, I'm definitely not going to get into that. But, uh, you know, we look at it and say, you know, God approved it. And you can go to 1 Timothy 4, 5, 14. You can go to 1 Corinthians 8, 8. You can go to all these portions of Scripture. God says, marriage is honorable among, above all things. Hebrews chapter 13, about, uh, with all mankind. This is what God is approving. And for some reason, Satan is going to take away from the covenant. He's going to take away from, uh, from what God has approved. And this is the truth, and, and they're going to go away from it. So, what do we learn from this? We're going to be watching the world change spiritually. They're going to be endorsing idolatry. They're going to be going into these superficial things in order to be approved by the God. And that's called works. Idolatry is always based on works. Christianity is always based on grace and what God does for us. See the difference? Idolatry is always works. So they're going to be separating. They're not going to eat this. They're not going to get married. They're going to have a covenant with their God. And they're going to go through all these different mindsets. And there's going to be immorality. And we see all this. And they're going to go darker and darker and darker. And we're going to be over here saying, no, we're not. You're crazy. Look at this. Look at you. You can't have a truth. It's clear, very not. I think God is a Christian. I thank God for the freedoms and the liberties that God has given me. That I know who my God is. I don't have to make them up. He tells me, defines for me who He is. He's my creator. He's my coming Savior. He's going to take me home to be with Him. We have all the answers. It's so awesome. And they walk around in darkness with no light. I have no idea what the future is. And yet, we know not only that God is with us now, but we also know He holds our future. Everything is in God's hand. And so we love the Lord with all our hearts, soul, and strength. And He is our God. And we pray He is your God. The God of the Bible. 
Stop adding another God to your God. This is it. This is him. This is the one. The truth is around. Believe in him. Father, we love you. We thank you for truth that you give to us. Help us. Help us understand you so that we can understand why. Help us, Lord, to know you and the absolute so that we are not confused in the day and age that we live in. Lord, help us to know truth so that we can share it with others. We can bring them into this life so they can be incredibly uh, transformed from within for Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for your work. Bless and use this time for your glory. And we'll thank you for your sake. Amen.